In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that is what God will do for you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone listening to this, the word will enter your heart. Amen. Light will flood your soul. Amen. Direction will come to you. Amen. Confidence will come to you. Amen. It's important. Confidence, that is faith that is unshaken, will be your portion today. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's settle down and get into our teaching for today. Okay, so the select ones that God uses, uh, that's what we are continuing to look at. The book of Luke chapter 14 is where we are going to read from. Now, there's something I was going to say, maybe I should just say it first. And that is the fact that we should never forget that the way God has designed things, I don't know why it is like that, but that is the way it is. It requires the involvement of people before what he wants to do will be done. One major work the Lord has to do anytime he has a purpose is to raise the person or the people of his purpose. Let's bear that in mind. And this is a part of it I want us to just bear in mind and work with. And that is the fact that we must not frustrate the purpose that he wants to do by refusing to cooperate concerning the preparation of our lives in what he wants to do. I hope what I said there, I hope it's not too confusing. That is, we must be careful. One thing we owe to the Lord is to make sure we can be prepared because he prepares people. That is one thing he does. He's working on getting people prepared, you know. But sometimes we can refuse. We can refuse to cooperate. You know, there are times my wife and I will be speaking and I'll tell her that maybe we'll just hear some testimonies of what God has used the word that he has placed upon my mouth, okay, to... Uh, we hear the testimony it is doing in the lives of the people, the people of God. People just give a testimony how this gospel blessed them, this one blessed them. And I tell my wife once in a while, I say, I hope you realize we could have said no. You don't think that God will make it compulsory for anybody to do anything. If you decide to say no, no is no. You don't just say no like no, like that. But little by little, God will lead you in one direction. Something else will pull you in another direction. I hope you're getting my point. We have to be careful that we don't uh, frustrate God's working in our lives. We can get up and say no. And don't, uh, let's just not assume that he will just find somebody else. If God tells you to do something and you don't do it, there is no guarantee somebody else will do it. And if you don't do it, that purpose will be suspended. It happens like that a lot. It will happen that what God wants to do will be suspended for a while until God is able to raise somebody else up. It is so crucial. There's a story I tell once in a while, which is not, I mean, I'm not saying it's the Bible, but it's just a, it's such an illustration that I like to use it. I read it from Ed Cole. He too was saying, it was written somewhere, but there are so many apocrypha, yes. That is some books that are not, they're not sure they are scripture, but they are, they are like inspired writings also, okay? So one of those books, he read it from there. That some people wrote something that happened, maybe it was a vision somebody had, but it's not part of scripture, okay? So we're not going to quote it as scripture. But just to use it as an illustration. That after Jesus rose up from the dead and he returned to heaven, he ascended on high, the angels welcomed him, all right, and they were so excited that the plan of God, remember it was an eternal plan, that he had now been fulfilled. So Jesus, they were not asking him how did it go, it was like everything went well and all of that. Now, so that means the earth is now saved, everything is settled. He said no. He said, what is, what is remaining? And just by the way, let me quickly drop one scripture there. Paul said, I'm doing my share, okay, in what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. What does that tell you? The work of God in Christ Jesus, even though it appears complete to us, God has left something undone. And Paul said, I have to do my own part. And you all, each one of us, you, me, 
we all have our parts to play. So they said, the Lord said to them, that, no, 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 everything is, just remains something small. So what is it? He said, well, I've left, he said, how are you going to accomplish that? So they said that, I have left 12 men. Now, those are his disciples, or the apostles. They have left 12 men. Ah, and the angel said, what? Men, that is, that, the emphasis on what? Men, men. human beings. This is that can fail. Aha. You left 12 men. Yes, so they, they are going to carry on the work. And they, that they said the angels asked him, what if they fail? And he answered, I have no other plan. That was why Ed Cole wrote it in his book, that Jesus said, if his people fail, there is no other plan. Listen, what God does all the time is to raise people up. Please, I want to say this. I want to say it again and again until people understand it. If we are not agreeing to be raised, let me put it another way. If God does not successfully raise people up, now it's, it's never his fault, it's always our fault. If we don't work with him until we are raised up in enough numbers, the plan that he has will not be fulfilled. The plan, what will just happen is like, to just keep on getting delayed. Let me give you an illustration. It's in the Bible like that. You know, God said to Moses, when the people of Israel annoyed him, he said, I'm going to destroy these people. I'm going to wipe all of them out. And then what's the next thing he said? I will now raise another nation from you. So you see, it was going to be a problem. Now you're about to destroy, let's say, two million people, okay? And then you're going to take one man. Let's assume, okay, a few people that agreed with Moses. Let's even assume they are at that point, they are like 20. Then we're going to start all over again. Now we're going to have another 100 years, 200 years, to come to the critical number that is necessary. And listen to this, it happens like that again and again. And I reasoned about it, I was thinking about it again yesterday. There are so many hopes somebody like me had some years ago, a few decades ago, 20, 30 years ago, concerning our nation. Now, not in the nation itself, but in what God can do. And along the line, I began to understand that God is raising his children, is raising people up to do things here and there. Okay? And then time has now been passed. Of course, a lot of time has passed now. And I look back and I wonder, okay, now listen to me. There are times I have reasons also to be disappointed, to be frustrated. Okay? I don't want to use the word confused. It's about disappointment and frustration. Okay? I tend to understand what is going on. And I ask myself, how long is this going to continue? And listen to this. And it just dawned on me that some of the things we are believing God for, now this is not belief I want to speak. I just have to accept that it is possible it will not happen in my lifetime. I thought about it just a few days ago. I just looked at it and I shook my head. It doesn't change the fact that what we are believing is right. It doesn't change the fact that that's what God wants to do. It's not changing it. Because sometimes it happens. People will pray and intercede. And God will call Jeremiah aside. Say, Jeremiah, see, I will, I, I'm willing to do all of this. But the people that you are working with, they won't let it happen. So, I'm going to give you your life as booty. I will give you something for all of this effort you are putting. But it will not be fulfilled. Now, I'm not saying, what I've told now is not prophetic. I'm just telling you that. I'm willing to accept it. Not because, now, you may say, that, are you now no longer walking in faith? You must understand the way faith works. It is not as if my faith is not working. It's just that God is saying, Banky, pardon me to use the expression, thank you for your faith. But then, it's not, it doesn't depend on only you. That's what the Lord is saying. It doesn't depend on you alone. Yes, your faith is important, but it's not only you. Now, if I don't raise enough people, what you are expecting me to do, I will not be able to do. 
Now, the responsibility, that's why Paul said, I'm doing my share in what is lacking. So he will get up and teach every day. You see Paul do everything necessary to ensure that he teaches the word. What is he doing? Raising people up. Now, the point I'm making is this, okay? A lot of us, we, walk, we don't realize how important we are. Let me give an example. Have you never been to families that a matter comes up? Maybe there are five brothers and sisters in a family, and their father, their mother needs something, or a family issue comes up. Some people just log, they just log out, like we say. They log out ex- totally. They just assume that the other people will solve it. Now, if you are listening to me, you're like that, you are very irresponsible. You are very irresponsible. You will not be blessed. That's not a curse, it's a warning. I don't care how much you, how rich you think your brother, your sister is. You are just plain irresponsible. Even if you don't have money, sit down with them and discuss. And say, how do we go about this? I'm sorry, I really don't have money. And listen to me. There are people who tell you they don't have money, they've gone to buy land. Basically what they are telling you is you solve it, me, I need to build a house. They assume you don't have a problem. They are the ones that have a problem. <laughs> One of our brothers told me something once. I said, human beings can be so irresponsible. She said, in their family, they have something up. So we're supposed to pay for, listen to the Ashwebi. You know what they call Ashwebi? Yeah. For those who don't understand, depending on where you're listening, <laughs> listening from, in Africa, we wear uniform a lot when we are doing events. They say, okay, everybody in the family, you are wearing blue, this particular material. So he said, he told the sister, okay, help me pay. When I come, I'll reimburse you the cost. That one kept on calling him. He said, listen, you're my sister. I paid your way through school. So he got, got angry at a point in time. Even if I want to steal this money from you, I have the right to steal it. But I'm not even trying to defraud you of your money. I just want you to help me out. Okay, when I come, I reimburse you. I said, the sister told him that, you know we are building. Just the money to help me pay for. How much is the uniform my wife and I will wear? You can't even deny yourself. I, just, I don't know why I just got into that. We have a lot of irresponsible men and women going around. There's a family problem. You assume somebody else will solve it. Even if you don't have money, please, sit down and talk. And why I say that is this. Not just talk to prove to them. You, nobody has money. Just for information, nobody has. Most of what they are doing is stressing themselves. Is denying themselves. I hope you are getting my point. Okay? No, it's not, not everybody. The people that are responsible are just being responsible. I don't know why I get my point. It's because they made up their minds to be responsible. It is not as if they have nothing else to do with money. They are just saying that this is important. Let us do it. They are saying, let us do this one first. The other ones will come after. Sometimes people tell me they don't have money. You will go and buy a car. I said, did you steal the car? Basically, what you are saying is that my owning a car is more important than solving that issue. And oftentimes, when you see somebody who's responsible, you assume he's responsible simply because he has excess. He has nothing to do with the money he has. Please, if you are listening to me, be responsible. That's all I want to say. Don't just walk away assuming somebody else will solve a problem that belongs to all of you. Even if you are 10 in the family. Let us all sit down, decide your portion in the solution, and go and find it. How to solve your own portion. It is irresponsible to take your portion and cast it upon somebody else because you made up your mind. He has money. She has money. Let me say it again. You are being irresponsible. You will not be blessed. I hope I'm clear here. 
Now, so, it's so important. I just felt like dropping that one for people. Listen to this. It's so important we bear an attitude in mind. Assume if I don't do it, it will not be done. Only walk away from doing it if you, if you are convinced it is not your responsibility. But if for any reason it is your responsibility, don't give yourself rest until it is accomplished. Don't give yourself rest until it is done. Be the one, let us assume, for example, let's just, I just feel like talking about this home thing again. It's an issue with your parents or your siblings. And then, when I say siblings, you have younger ones that need school fees paid and all of that, and two or, two, two or three of you are supposed to do that. Let us assume you have been locked down, there's no money. Do you get my point? Business is not moving. So, really, we look at it, there is no money coming forth. If somebody else in the family decides to do it, as a responsible person, say to yourself, he or she has lent me money, and I must pay back. Tell the person to the face, say, this one, this is our father's matter. Assuming our father's roof, his house, the roof gets blown up. You know, in the recent times, there have been some, of course, beginning of rainy season, it's common. Huh? Storm, remove roofs here and there. Okay? Just go there, say, okay, this, roofing this house is 150000 naira. My legitimate portion is 50000 minimum. So let me be responsible, let me access 60. But now I'm on lockdown, I don't have money. If somebody else brings the money, I should walk to the person and say, listen, I'm supposed to pay 60000 out of this money. I'm so sorry I can't pay it now. But since you are doing it, please, write it down. I'm owing you. And please, I don't mean I'm owing you. I've seen people who say I'm owing you, they won't pay you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, Augusta, I know I'm still owing you. You've been telling me, I mean, I know too. So what, are you think, what song are you singing for me? <laughs> One of our senior brothers told me something the other day. A man was broke. So the church, he's a member of their church. So they felt like this man wanted to start a business, a small service business. So he lent him money. He's not a rich person. He lent him money. All right. Let's assume 50000 to buy some things, rent a small place, and start. Let me just give us an example, the kind of service a man is rendering. Maybe, like, um, he washes cars. Are you getting my point? So this man, it's not car, just give us an example. This man will drive his car to the place. This man will wash the car for him, assuming the fee is 500 naira. He will pay. This, young, this man started the business. Six months later, he will see the man, ah, good morning, sir. Oh, guy, now I'm still owing you. Then the man will drive his car there. They will wash his car. They will bill him 500. He will pay them. And they say, ah, I'm not still owing you. And he never paid, the last I knew. But every time he'll be singing this song, I know I'm still owing you. And the man, out of his good heart, decides to be patronizing him. And as he, the kind of person, he'll keep on paying. I say, how irresponsible can a man get? I wanted to emphasize that it was a service. It wasn't as if he's buying and selling that. Taking without paying will be like um, you are depleting his capital. No, it's a service. It's a service. He could come, just render and say, okay, sir, see, I'm owing you 50,000 naira. Please, the least I can do is each time you come, we'll just be writing it off. And we'll still give you a discount. If everybody's paying 500, you'll pay 400. But don't have to give us money. That is how to be. Do you know a lot of human beings are irresponsible? That's just the summary of it. Human beings are just irresponsible. Ah, leave him. He has money. Let him do it. Even if he has, like I tell people all the time, listen, Ali Kodangote is building a refinery. Before the refinery, all right, he was rich. 
He was so rich, he could bring out six or seven billion dollars of his own money. Out of the total cost of about, about is it um, 17 to 19 billion dollars that the refinery will cost, he brought out his own personal money and put it down. Is that not the rich man? Good. Let me ask you a simple question. When he starts pumping oil, will you go to a filling station and say, Aliko, it's rich, put oil there, I'm not going to pay? I don't know whether you are getting my point. He has a lot of money from selling cement and doing other businesses. But if he opens a station and you drive in there and fuel is 125 naira to the liter, a liter, you will not say, oh, God, Liko is rich. Fill my tank and drive off. You will still pay. So if somebody is rich, it does not give you the right to transfer your responsibilities to him. If he decides to say, oh, I am rich. All any good people. Free fuel for you every Sunday. It is his decision. Yes, we'll go there. I will also go collect it free of charge. Because he decided. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. Because he decided. Because what people do sometimes is they say, ah, don't worry about him. He's rich. Then you go to his filling station, take your full tank. And when they say, oh, God pays, yeah. Why should I be paying Aliko? Has he finished spending the money he made from cement? As if the money is your own. If somebody takes your responsibility, like it's your brother, your sister, and the family, don't assume, oh, he's a, he's a, look at his business he has. He makes a lot of money. Go to him and say, bros, you spent 50000 that I was supposed to spend. Please, I will pay you back. You know, right now there's lockdown. The business I'm doing requires constant flow of activity. Please, as soon as this is over, I will start paying you. And please, it's not a joke. Start paying him. Let him now say, don't bother. It is irresponsible of you to stay at home. You stay in your house and decide that he doesn't need the money. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Don't assume. You know, there's one woman I had a bit of dealing with, you know, some time ago, until now, occasionally. The way she handles money matters. Once she came, borrowed money from me for something. Wasn't so much money, at least for my own financial capacity. And then... Long after, I had totally forgotten. She stopped me and said she wanted to see me. Okay, what is the matter? That there's money she borrowed from me for so and so. You know, it took me some time to rejig my memory to remember it. So she wanted to pay it, but she only had half. So I said, no problem. When she brought the half, I knew that. Just look, to God be the glory. I thought I had to forget the balance half. But there's a reason why I took that half. When I took the half, the, the envelope, you would know this money was arranged. You will see, one squeeze 100 naira here, one 200 naira here. She rearranged the thing. She's handled money for me before, okay? Like maybe okay, somebody would pay for some, some money, something I was in charge of. I said, okay, you be handling the money. I could trust that not one naira would be missing. She didn't say, ah, our guy has money. The truth is that the money she borrowed from me I couldn't remember. She had to tell me that, you know, there was a day I told you I had this problem and then to solve it. I wanted to borrow money from you. I said, eh. So what now happened? I gave you the money. She said, yes. Okay. So what's the next thing? That she wants to pay it back. I said, this woman is responsible. Very responsible. So please, if you're in a family, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's not our message for today. <laughs> but I feel like talking to people. I've seen people, families that they'll carry all the money put on one person's head. And when they do it like that, it's behind, behind the back, they are saying that he has money. 
Some people will tell you a story, there's no money, there's no money, there's no money. The next thing they will call you, please, come and help us dedicate, dedicate. <laughs> 2,000 square meters we just bought. We thank God, and you're looking like, so did he go of this village call you people for your services to humanity and donate to you these 2,000 square meters? No, you paid. Ah, I just feel like talking. I don't know. I'll get back to my message in a moment. In life, when you want to prioritize spending, you should know how to prioritize spending on the right things. Buying material property is not important. That one can always come up later. Being a blessing to people is the primary thing you should do. You're a young man, you finish school, a young woman, you just finished, just started working. It's not this is your time to buy a car, buy the expensive phone. You see people who hardly have money earning for the first time, they go and buy an expensive phone. Made break in Jesus' name. Say prayer, say amen. No? amen. You want to bless the people. <laughs> what are you doing with an expensive phone? Those are the ones you, you used to go to school. You see how your father with peace money do this struggle to make sure you get money to go. What are you doing with your phone? An expensive phone. The first one year, you should be trying to make the man, your mother, your siblings, enjoy the fact that you are alive. You want to buy a good phone, give one to him first. Say, Daddy, I've used this kind of phone before. You know why he never used it? Don't, it's not because he's old school. It's because he could not afford it. I've seen many old school people, iPhones everywhere. Why? The person is supposed to be old school. And that iPhone, the man is even struggling how to use it. But he could afford it, he bought I've seen old school people those days, very expensive phones. I said, ah, madam, what are you doing? This one? Say, they say you can do a lot. To, they say you can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> old school, but you had the money. So if you call your father old school, let me just tell you, poverty is the problem. It's not old school. New school him. Can I use that expression? Don't think you are, you are young, you are new school. New school your father first. Modernize him, put that good phone in his hand, sit down and teach him how to use it. You'll be managing first. You will still live for the next, you will outlive that man, God willing, by at least 30 years. Let's assume he had you when he was 30 as an example, and both of you are going to die at the same age. I just, just illustrate. So you have enough time to enjoy yourself. That's the point I'm making. And please don't say things like he doesn't need my money. That's what they call honor. Honor has nothing to do with need. We must learn to be responsible in life, all of us. And the summary of what I'm going to say by that is this. Don't assume that a, a responsibility that is yours will be solved if you do nothing about it. Don't assume that if somebody, somebody else carries the responsibility, you are now free. You're not free. The least you can do is offer to pay back the cost to that individual. Basically, you're just accepting that, yes, it is my responsibility. We must have that attitude in every part of life. If it's, and it's not just about things I've said like this. It can be even concerning your children. Nobody will train your children for you. You can't just go and offload your children to a boarding house and expect them to train them for you. They are not the true shepherds. They are hirelings. They are not being wicked. That's just what they are. I mean, you come and give your child to me. You pay me a few hundreds of thousands of naira to hold him for three months. I cannot teach him everything you, you need, uh, you, the child would need. It is your responsibility. You have to try and factor it into your life, how you will meet your responsibility. Many people send their children to boarding house not because of the advantage of boarding. Please, I'm not here talking about that boarding house is good or bad. I went to boarding house as a child, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about why are you doing it? Why? For some people, it's like, this boy, you won't kill me. Go off to boarding house. He will return from there to do the killing. I hope you're getting my point eventually. 
If the child is not going well, settle down. Ask God, what am I supposed to do? Somebody else will not train your child for you. You can't be chasing money and thinking that money will be used to offset your irresponsibility. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. The child is yours. God gave that child to you to train. People can assist you, but you cannot just, you know, send it off to somebody else to handle. Please, let's be responsible responsible in life. Let's handle our responsibilities. God has given us some things as responsibilities, and if somebody else is helping us, we just have to know that they are helping. We We can't demand it. We can't demand it. We cannot demand it, all right? It's very, very important. We can't demand it. Now, so back to the point I'm trying to make. So when it comes to the gospel also, let's not just assume that there are one billion Christians. Somebody will preach it. There is a part of it that you are supposed to preach. And if you don't preach that part, that part will not be preached. Just that is the way you must face life. There are things that I am supposed to teach. In, with all humility, I've give, I've give, I give God the praise. There are things I teach. The truth is I don't hear anybody else teach them. I'm not saying nobody else is teaching them. I just have not heard. And many people that hear those things from me, they, def- they didn't hear them from anybody else. The natural thing, with you know, the way we reason in life is that, listen, uh, if you are not there, we hear from somebody else. Who told you? <laughs> You'll be amazed. I don't have time to be going to the details of how these things work. Generational matter. There are times that there are works that God wants to do in a generation. He will say, there's nobody to do it for me, so I will have to do it in the next generation. Listen, I'm not saying I'm Mr. Know-all. I know more than everybody else. It's just that I know some things. Not by my own power, but by the inspiration of the Almighty, because he created me to do it. So if I went somewhere else and I'm not paying attention to that responsibility, a lot of people will not have that blessing in their lives. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. And I cannot. It is wrong of me to just assume that you just get it from somewhere else. Sometimes people will abandon their duty post where God puts them, and they don't ask the devil, who will come and do it? I know the truth. God will ask one day. This man could not fulfill his destiny fully because you were supposed to be his assistant in that area. It doesn't mean you are working for him. Okay? It could be that, what I'm trying to say, being an assistant is that maybe you were the one that was supposed to teach him the word of God that will boost his destiny, boost his ability to step into his destiny. If you are not there, listen to me, people of God, that's how we were made. If that person does not arise, you will never get that thing. You say, but I have my own listen. God will not judge you negatively for it. Let me give an example now. Let us assume. Let us assume. Now, this is not a very good illustration, but that's the one that's easiest for me now. Let us assume that right now there's this uh, lockdown because of the pandemic and all of that. So the people that were supposed to design live streaming, recording, and stuff like that, let's say for one reason or the other, they did not design it. So the people that I'm supposed to reach right now, I won't reach them. I hope I get my point. Now, so the fulfilling of the destiny of reaching this number of people in a time like this, I will not be able to do it. However, God will not judge me for it. What God will just judge me for is that, Banky, did you teach the time I said you should teach? The answer will be yes. Did you say the things I'm supposed to say? The answer will be yes. Did you reach the number of people you were supposed to reach? The answer, I will not be able to judge that. He will tell me, Banky, you did not. And I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. He said, don't worry. I will not judge you for it. Because you did what was within your power. But the people I told to design that, who got a job somewhere that was paying them 10 million naira every other week, they started playing football because they found out that footballers are any money. 
they are the ones that I will hold responsible. That even though I had this amount of gospel coming forth from your mouth, it could only reach a few people. Or it reached some people after many weeks. Because that was when you were able to send the recording, you know, one after the other to different places. I will hold them responsible. But the record will still be that you did not reach the people that you were supposed to reach. But it's not your fault. But I will not judge you harshly for it. Listen, what I'm going to teach us is being responsible. Let's just be responsible as people. Let's just be responsible. It's good to own a house. There's nothing wrong with it. But if the money <laughs> for that house was meant for some, something else, that house is not blessed. What I actually want to teach today, I, I pray I can get there, is for us to live life in a, how do I put it, humanly speaking, careless manner. But not really careless but that we have given it to the Lord to take care of. I want us to live life in a manner that we are so sold out to God that we are not concerned about ourselves primarily. That is, we are not the ones concerned about ourselves. He's the one concerned about us. Our own duty is to just be, in quotes, using the words of, um, I think, Oswald Chambers, wasting our lives on the Lord regularly. When I say waste, they will say, listen, you are so intelligent. By the age of 12, you were a guru in physics. They expected you to do something great. You understand my point? Ah, people thought that this is what you would become. Then maybe at the age of 20-something, having gotten a PhD in applied physics, God now collected you and said, I want you to go to secondary school to go and be teaching physics. Listen, a young man who at the age of 24 already has a PhD in applied physics. Everybody thinks you, the least you should do is work for NASA. The American Space Agency. Or go and start developing some exotic things. But God said, come, 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 come. You shall return to Enugu or return to Abakaliki. You will go to the government service there, take a job in the secondary school, start teaching physics and mathematics. If you don't have a chemistry teacher, sure you can handle chemistry and, uh, and further maths. You say, yes, Lord. Good. So by the age of 26, you are a school teacher. They now go and do, you know, do qualifications to register for TRCN. They marry another teacher like yourself. You know, your community will gather and say that, where did they bury his placenta? Yeah. No, we have to find your placenta because you are not making sense anymore. Aeronautical engineering is where we thought you would end. By now, you should be decoding what Hubble Space Telescope is saying. By now, you should be decoding what will happen with the James Webb Telescope when it is launched. You are here teaching physics. And of course, by evening, anyway, let me get a long story short. What you don't know is that God did not give you the knowledge. Why do you think it's those who don't know physics that should teach it? I don't know what I get my point. Why do you think it's those who don't know it that should teach it? God said, I give you that amount of skill. Then just like Bezalel, I'll give you the ability to teach. Listen, right now you are one. Now, he won't tell you this. You just have to trust him that he knows what he's doing. Right now you are one. One outstanding physicist from a Boeing state. PhD at the age of 24 in applied physics. God said, but you are one. And except his seed dies, it abides alone. I know why I'm killing you there. Because after 15 years, you will produce... Two of your students will win Nobel Prizes. That is, 
will look back, people you trained, and they will remember that you were the one that drilled the foundation of mathematics and physics into them. But you can't know it ahead. In a hundred years' time, human beings will not know it, but I will know it. You will be the reason why the Nigerian Aeronautical Agency, their launch pad, will be in Ebony State. Because you will have raised people who understand physics so well. And I mean, I know I will give you, my, will give you the glory. One day, one of them will come and they will say, your teacher is still in so-and-so place. You go there and say, sir, you are still here, sir. They say, yes. Oh, my friends and I just wanted to see something. Is there a house you need? They will have built it and given you the keys. One day, one of them will be receiving an award. They say, you, you can only invite two people. He said, I'm inviting my wife and my teacher. He will pay for you to fly to Geneva, wherever, wherever he's getting the award from. He said, no, no, no. This is the man that taught me everything I know. There's what the Bible calls the prolongation of the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, it's not what only you achieve. It's what God uses you to birth in the lives of other people. But human beings not having any sense. This seed, let's say the best it can produce. So they yank you away from They say, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. You are too good for this place. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say that wasting our lives for him. Those is when I first came to Enugu. Because I teach pathology, I, had some, I met some students who have, they came and approached me that they were having issues whether I could help. Of course, they were having issues because they didn't really have a full-time teacher. Okay? They only had one elderly man that used to visit. Okay? So I came, young man. I was very young that time. Just got married. So I had all the energy. There was nothing else I was doing. King Noah was still tracks that I wrote. We were just starting. So they would come to my office like two times a week, a number of them, and I would coach them personally. By the time I was done with coaching the second set of students I taught, one of them said, I'm going to be a pathologist, and that's because of you. But this first of students, one of them went abroad after they finished the exam they passed, came back one day, a lady came to see me just to tell me thank you for the effort I put into teaching them those fundamental things that she said to me when I got to the UK for my electives. He said, wait, not that I met you, I'll be looking like a fool. He said, but because of those sessions we had with you, when they would talk, I could talk. That we could talk. Do you understand that? I was able to show them that I came from Nigeria, yes, but I have something in my brain. Yeah. Then she ended by saying, sir, I think you are wasting hell. That's where I'm going. <laughs> that. I mean, I was very young that time. I'm still young right now. I forgot the white beard. Right <laughs> but think about it. That's what I'm talking about like 19 years ago, 18 years ago. He said, no, people, he said, young, this way her words, young, intelligent people like you need to go to where your, your star can, you know, can shine. He said, I think you should live here. I think you should move over to the UK. There, you really will be able to show your potential. I was looking at the girl like this as she was talking. I was sitting on my desk. When she finished talking, I asked her a simple question. I said, when, when I will have gone, I said, the next set of ignoramuses like you that will show up, who will teach them? You forget that you were in the position you were in because people like me were not available. I came, you saw what I could do, and the way you will reward the next generation is to extract me from here and take me to a place where I'm not needed. At that time, the whole of Nigeria did not have, could not count 50 pathologists, the whole country. 150 million or more people that time. They couldn't. I traveled a few years after to MD Andasi Cancer Center. 
Stayed there for about a full month, actually. 30 days complete. One day I was talking with, we were just gisting. The woman that was our departmental secretary, she was just showing me around, so we were talking. Just comparing Nigeria and America, and I looked at the building. I wanted to just tell her how Nigeria was. I said, the whole of Nigeria, we don't have 50 pathologists. I said, how many do you have in this building? One institution. I just wanted to compare. She said, oh, you mean such pattern, cytopath? I said, yes. He said, over 100. I said, what? I said, no, you don't get what I'm saying. I mean pathologists, histopathologists. He said, you mean such part and histopath? I said, yes. He said, I told you, we're building a new building to house our pathologists. He said, we have over 100. One institution. The whole of my beloved country at that time could not boast of 50. Things are better now, although things are now getting worse again because people are traveling now. Could not boast of 50 at that time. I'm, what I'm telling you is an accurate fact. I calculated it. I knew everybody basically at that time. They were not more, they were not up to 50. Maybe 40 something. And somebody said, I should go to where one building was housing a hundred of my type. <laughs> Listen, we have to learn how to reason and have Christ mindedness in our reasoning. So they would tell that young man, say, What are you doing here? You're just wasting away. But God said, I didn't raise you up to work in NASA. I did not raise you up to get a Nobel Prize in physics. I did not raise you up for all of that. I raised you up to teach. I raised you up to teach the younger generation. That from, you are from a place where if I take you now, you'll be the only one. But if you stay there for me for the next 20 years, you will produce at least, if it is bad, you will produce a hundred of your type. And they will produce more. And the time will come, because of their influence, Nigeria will be launching satellites from a Boeing state. And listen, that's how things get done. You don't just sit down there and be waiting for government. Like one of our brothers said the other day, he said, I am government. I, I knew I will learn that one long ago. That there's no government anywhere. He said he, he saw everybody saying, government, government. That he went into Asurok, no? And he saw people there saying, if only government can. He said, wait, 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 wait. You are not so rock. You are not so rock telling me if government. I saw local government chairman saying government. School teachers, government. Conductors saying government. Bus drivers saying government. Market woman saying government. Housewife blaming government. Okay, so let's get to government. Local government said if only government. We got to state government. They said if only government. We even got to the seat. I'm sure if you ask the head of state, you say, this is what government should do. You say, oh, God, excuse me, sir, you're the head of state now. <laughs> That's why we will now tell you that there's national assembly. What I'm going to explain here is this. Listen. This is how things are done. It's when each individual accepts the responsibility. Just assume if I don't do it, it will, don't assume somebody else will do it. Just assume if I don't do it, it will not be done. It's just a mindset. If I don't do it, it will not be done. The only thing that will prevent you from doing everything is just to know the one that's yours to do. Because not everything that's your own. Jesus said, who made me a judge and an arbiter over you? That is, he did not come as a judge. It was not the one that would be settling quarrels. But whoever he put in charge had to do it. That's what I'm trying to make. I just quoted that to let you know not everything is yours to do. Not everything that's yours, that, that's yours to do. But once you locate the area that is yours... Listen, one, of, one prayer I pray all the time. I'm not saying I know everything yet, of course. Who knows everything? But among the things I have learned about my life, 
is that I must feed people. I read the scripture to me. You know, everybody has his own scripture. Just by the way, one of the things you have to pray to God to, for is that he should show you the portion of the scripture that applies to you. They came to John. Oh boy, how far with you? He said, hey, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Everybody has a scripture that applies to him. I read the scriptures, and as I said, now, the one that I found that applies to me is this. God said, I will send them pastors after my heart, who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding. So, I said to the Lord, this is one I understand now. This scripture applies to me. So I must feed with knowledge and with understanding. I was talking about my sisters the other day. Something led to it when I released the book, The Mark of the Beast. So some people were thinking that maybe I wrote it, you know, because of, um, you know, I, 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 maybe I want to attack somebody else and all of that. I said, no. You know why I wrote the book? I said, number one, there's nothing inside there that those who have been listening to me for a long time have not heard me say one time or the other. I said, but anytime something happens, a lot of people, literally thousands of people, wait, what did Pastor Banky say? I was in a church service some time ago. A man was preaching, preached, preached, preached. Preached a lot of nonsense, okay? But he was preaching. So I left the church service. I was going. One brother walked up to me. He said, good afternoon, sir. I said, good afternoon. No, good evening, sir. He said, you were in that church service. I said, I was. He said, that man, what he said, what do you think? I said, it's rubbish. He said, thank you, sir. And he kept on going. Because, <laughs> listen, the thing worried him. All through the time the man was preaching, he was in his chair. He was twisting. Like, what kind of thing is this? So when he located, I was in the same service. He said, good. After service, he chased me down. He said, oh, sir, what do you think? I said, the man is talking nonsense. I didn't have to explain. Listen, I did not have to explain. Because it was obvious nonsense. And he knew it was nonsense. But because the person talking was senior to him, he felt that, is there something this man knows I don't know? That's why he came to me. So I thought, listen, I said, I had to write because, do you know, when this pandemic broke out and all of that, it hit the news. Within a week, after it became hot news, we pre- we, I, I preached about it here, and there's our school of prayer. But because of the usual delays, our messages used to get to the website, maybe sometimes up to two weeks, sometimes more, after we had preached it here. Do you know people were already writing that, like, sir, uh, do you have anything that you preached on this thing that's going on? I don't know whether you're getting my point. So one, one person wrote, and as soon as he finished writing, within a few hours, I think he went to the website, and I, and I saw um, in the time of a plague, hey! he quickly wrote another email that, please, we should forget the last mail he wrote. He has found what he's looking for. Sometimes you don't want to talk, but people say, what is God saying? What is God saying? What is the Lord saying from his word? So when issues come up, I realize... I mean, remember that time that um, the issue of tithe, no tithe was all over the place? You told me that uh, I have to come to radio and answer. Because people were asking, what's Pastor Banky say? I had to pray to God for wisdom. Because I didn't want to go further divide the body of Christ. And I just went, went on radio that day. Of course, I had doctrines that I understood from scriptures. I've written it in books here and there. But I just explained to people, this is not worthy of quarreling over. That was one thing I was firm about. I had to disagree with the general, with very popular teaching in the body of Christ. That the doctrine of tithing 
even using the words of the Lord Jesus, let's not even judge whether it is today or not today. Jesus said it is not one of the weightier matters. So it is wrong for us to quarrel over it. My wife and I disagree about small, small things all the time in the house. In, in, this morning, we said, wasn't a serious disagreement. We wanted to pray. We had a major prayer meeting with our brethren. So all the children are supposed to gather. Whether they will gather in our bedroom and our sitting room was another issue. <laughs> I said, let them come. I said, no, the sitting room is better. They will sit up, say they will be more serious. I looked at her. I said, no, I want them to be unserious, Abby. <laughs> it was not worthy of quarreling over. She feels they are more serious in the sitting room. I feel more relaxed that everybody, I mean, prayer is not, it's not a burden. Let's come. We all knelt down around the bed. You okay? Almost all of us, including her, we all knelt down around the bed and prayed there together. It's not a weightier matter whether you sit in the sitting room or you sit in the bedroom. But whether you should pray or not, it's a weighty matter. If my wife has said they should pray, and I said, no, nobody needs to pray. You work hard. That is how you make it in this life. <laughs> she will look at my husband, please, are you serious? Is that supposed to be a joke? If I insist that there's no need to pray, you know she will come and come and call prayer meeting behind my back. Brethren, my husband has gone mad, though. That was where I t- took it that, listen, the matter of tithing is not a weighty matter. I have to disagree with those who say if you don't tithe, you go to hell. I said, the Bible never said so. How can it be like that? And you read the whole of the New Testament, Jesus never said, said anything like that. But the point I'm making is that I had to come up. I said, guys, let's relax. If you don't believe in calculating percentage, just make sure you're a generous giver. If you like to calculate percentage, please don't stop there. Still go ahead and do other things. Because when trouble will bust, they won't say, have you calculated percentage? They say, please, we need money. We can come to church and find that the roof of the church disappeared overnight because of a storm. We won't say, those who have not paid their tithe, they should come and roof it. No! Those who have tithed and those who have not tithed, all of them will come together. That's what I explained that time. The point I'm trying to make is this. I had to answer. I had to answer. So I told the person who asked me, I said, that was why I wrote the mark of the beast. Because I could feel the questions in the air. I'm t- that is because you are a pastor after his heart, and your responsibility is to feed the people with knowledge and with understanding. I perceive it in the air that I need to teach. Within a few days, the book had been shared by thousands and thousands of people. One of our senior brothers sent me a message. He said, I finally read the book, Banky. If I think I have the message here, I would like to just read it out because it's interesting. He said, Banky, good morning. I read the book. It is the most lucid thought I have read on the subject matter. The man has been a Christian for nothing less than 40 years. He said, thanks be to God for blessing you with this insight and for making you a blessing to us. So I said to the Lord, see, in this area, please. My wife and I said this yesterday. I said to him, God, if poverty is necessary to bring good revelation, bring it. <laughs> no, really, really, I'm not joking. That's not supposed to be a joke. I said, anything that will take me away from digging and bringing forth real revelation, understanding, visions from above for the people of God, God, don't give it to me. Because I'm not going to be judged for the size of house I had or how many countries I visited. You know, the other day, I was just thinking about, you know, cruise. I, I, I went to go and investigate how much it costs to go on a cruise. And I said, oh, those... <laughs> no, no, no. People are laughing. I'm not trying to go on a cruise. I'm not saying cruise is bad. 
My wife is thinking that, please, I hope I say going to the cruise anyway. <laughs> no, I'm not saying a cruise is bad. But I just said the other day, some people, after paying all the thousands of dollars for the cruise, they were quarantined inside their boats. Do you know one boat finally docked about three days ago? All this while it had been on water. The cruise became imprisonment. Every port they went to, nobody agreed for them to dock. They're supposed to go from one port to the other and be seeing visions and seeing things. <laughs> nobody agreed for them to dock. They said there is no coronavirus on board. They said it doesn't matter. They flew things, you know, they, they could get supplies in. Test, nobody tested positive. Nobody. But no port agreed for them to dock. All of you stay there. They almost went around the world. Finally, they got back home. They were so happy to come off the boat. <laughs> the boat had become a floating prison. And for some people, not a real prison. Because inside the boat, some people have this window view. You know, can, from outside, you can see the ocean. Some, the day corridor. The rooms are small. You are there for like one whole month. What am I trying to say? <laughs> the worldly pleasures we are pursuing. God just showed us recently, that's over the last one month, that it can become an it. I saw one woman today. I, my wife and I had a very good laugh. One of our brothers forwarded it to me. The woman said, I beg go. I want to come home. She went to America to go and deliver. <laughs> she was now tweeting, Abike Dabri, Vice President of please evacuate us. I did not steal government's money. I told my wife, the, the, the government steal your money. That is, go born for America, I don't become locked down. The woman said, I'm tired. As a new baby, can't go anywhere, can't come home. I, I read it today. My wife and I were looking at it. I said, who sent you? We said, if you want to beg, beg. I'm not saying, I told my wife, I said, I feel for how. I feel, hey, if you, <laughs> my wife said, she can't even imagine being locked down in Lagos. Uh, Why me and the children in Enugu? No. How much more being locked down in America? The woman can say, please, so evacuate us. So we did not steal. I said, ah, if you want to beg, beg. This demanding like I did not steal. It's getting too far. Just say, please, please, we'll go pay. Just allow the plane. You say, we have been tested. We are negative. We didn't concern anybody. No, I trust the Nigerian government. Look, I said, but you are comfortable now. No, be America, you go. That we have serious problems to handle now. You are talking about uh, that the amount of money we used to evacuate it. Do you know how many people use it to feed down here? Yeah. Everybody's in trouble. The point I'm trying to make is so, so all these worldly things we are pursuing, God has used this one to let us know they are not worth pursuing. They are not worth pursuing. They are not worth pursuing. At all. They are not worth it. But there's a scripture that applies to everybody. That's what I'm making. I read that one. It appeared to me that bank, the Lord said, Bank, this is yours. So, I said, anything that will prevent the word from coming forth good, Lord, please don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. I've seen people that, listen, I've given the testimony before. When, when my heart is in distress, I have prophets I can call. Oh, yes. I don't mean those who tell me that my grandmother is a witch. I don't mean those. If, if you are still calling such prophets, both you and the prophet, your heads are not correct. You know that. Uh-huh. You have a problem. Somebody will call you. Call the prophet. Say that uh, your aunt. You, do you have an auntie that is black? Which African does not have a black auntie? No matter how yellow you are, you have a black auntie. 
So that's not what I'm talking about. If you are calling prophets like that, you are confused. The prophet is confused. And God is calling both of you to repent. I'm talking about genuine prophets. When things are too confusing, there are people I call, I say, no, the Lord must have told you something. I mean, a big man in Nigeria died recently. You know what I'm talking about? I say, ask one of our brothers. I say, please. I'm, I know you have spiritual insight. What is going on? He said, no, no, don't, the Lord didn't tell me anything specific about that, but this is what I know. And I listened to the counsel he had to give. Because surely the Lord, goes, the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secret counsels to his servants, the prophets. So in the body of Christ, there are prophets. And there are different cadres. And listen, a prophet is not the person that just shouts for you. He shall be well with you. This year is your year of breakthrough. That's a, that's a blessing. Anybody can bless anybody. Anybody can bless anybody. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Yes. So I look, I say, listen, some people have a responsibility. That's what I'm going to say. To bring certain things into the body of Christ. And because of that, or in, li- in line with that, each person must know. You try your best to know what your responsibility is. And don't run away from it. Do it no matter what. Don't run away from your responsibility. It's so crucial. It is so crucial. Do your responsibilities. Make sure nothing takes you away from it. But what I'm going to emphasize to us today, please, is this. We must learn to be what? Responsible. Responsible. We should just look at it like this. My name, my, me, I'm a teacher of the word. Bank, if you don't teach, people will be confused. Don't just assume there are other teachers. No, that's not true. That the thing, and listen, there are people that God has connected your spirit to. He said your eyes will behold your teacher. There are those that God has said you are the ones that will teach them. Many years ago, I was supposed to travel abroad for something. Okay, that one I told that I went to one place, uh, one hospital to, uh, you know, for an attachment for some time. So one of our brothers asked me something. I wanted to hear that I was going to, to the U.S. He laughed. He said, Vanke, are you sure you're going to come back? I found it a very strange comment. I feel like you don't know me enough. I said, I'm going for a well, Of course, I added about two weeks um, of visiting my friends. You know, to so I said, I'm going to be about six weeks and I'll be back. He said, hey, are you sure? Hmm. When you reach there, you don't say, so if they come, they, don't go, they, they, go, they will come back home. I said, my brother, you know I have a ministry here. You know what he said? He said, ah, there's ministry in America too. <laughs> I just laughed. Listen to me. I said, God sends you to a people. It's not everywhere he sent you to. It's not everywhere you will get to, you will have relevance. It's not. There are musicians that left Nigeria, got to America and disappeared. Yes. They just assume that a sign of promotion is that you left Nigeria, you have gone to America. For some people, it's a sign of disappearance. For some, that's what it is. A sign of disappearance. That you are no longer relevant, there's nothing that will be useful for again. It's just a sign for them of what? Disappearance. It is not everywhere you belong. It's not everywhere. Just by the way, I want you to understand something. When you are going to disappear, they will pay you well to disappear you. I hope you're getting my point. The Bible says that the adulteress haunts precious lives. When Satan, adulteress there, of course, in that particular context, was talking about literal woman, but this one, there's a spirit behind it. There's an adulteress spirit. When Satan wants to take people's destinies, he pays. He haunts precious lives. Lives that have something to give. He says, how do I take it away? He says, give him money. Give her money. Give him comfort. 
So he said, Demas has departed from me. Demas went to a place more comfortable. I told my brother that I said, listen, God sent people to different places. So. There are people, and listen, let me just really drop this. Where you are is not what decides whether your voice will be heard or not be heard. Oh. What I mean is this. If God wants you to be heard globally, he can place you in a place that is not known. For he will say, from there, your voice will be heard. Listen, there are many people, maybe God says, stay in a, let me give you an, a, one of the smaller state capitals in Nigeria. Let's just mention one. Let's say Kefi, all right? It's not Lagos, it's not Portacot, it's not Abuja. Are you getting my point? Okay? And I just say, no, if you want your ministry to move, the place from which ministry moves is Lagos. Like somebody told me once, Lagos is a place where you find people that will support you. Many times people read that Lagos, you know what happens? They disappear. When you get to Lagos, you now realize that there are many people looking for support there too. In the midst of that large congregation, you just vanish. That's what I mean. You cannot predict the place from which God wants to lift you up. You can't. You can't. There's a story, you may have heard me tell it a number of times. I have not seen a better story, so I shall continue to use that story for now. Ron Kennelly's story. Ron Kennelly used to play in clubs and all of that. He liked music. And then he became a Christian. I think he went to Bible school, I don't know, but he, he took his faith very seriously. And so he wanted to sing for the Lord. He wanted to sing the gospel. So he wrote to every Christian recording that is a, what do you call them? Label that he could find. And all of them returned to him and said, we are not interested in new artists for now. He did everything, nothing. So when he received the last rejection letter, by that time he had taken a job as a pastor, what they call music pastor. Here we call choir director and stuff. The Americans call the music pastor. He was the music pastor of a church. So he went to the church auditorium, locked himself in, and said to God, if they don't want to hear me, you that gave me the gift, you will hear me by force. There's no way you are going. So he locked God and himself inside the church. He sat on the keyboard and began to play. He played and played. He would just worship. Every song that came to his mind, he played. Played and played, worshipped the Lord with his songs. Finally, he left the piano. He fell on the floor and continued to worship with tears pouring down his eyes. At the end of the day, he got up and made a vow. God, I'm not writing anybody again. I'm going to just face my work here as a music pastor. That's the only thing I'm doing. They were doing their music pastor work. They were singing. He was leading, of course, he led the choir, led the praise, led all those kind of things. What he did not know was that people were getting blessed. And they were spreading his fame abroad. I don't know whether I get my point. Because one day he finished a church service. When he was done with praise that day, the person walked up to him and said, I'm an executive director with Hosanna Music. I wanted to pray about recording an album with us. He didn't write them. He didn't call them. He didn't tell us when I was hearing the story. He didn't tell us who told them about him. They came to his church. After service, the fellow walked up to him. Please, I'm an executive director with Hosanna Music. I wanted to pray about recording an album with us. Give him his card. He told us that day, he said, 
If there was one thing I didn't have to pray about, that was, that was it. Instantly knew that the harvest had come. He put in the sickle. Of course, he agreed. And they started and recorded an album, Jesus is Alive. Many of us didn't hear about Jesus is Alive. The one they did immediately after is lift him up. And lift him up just collected the whole earth and set it on fire. Every church played lift him up. That is, lift him up till today. He's still selling. It's over, it's more than 20 something years ago now. Lift him up. Now, the point I'm making is that it is not, it's not when you go and put yourself in the place where you think you'll find prominence that you'll find it. Anywhere God keeps you, if you find that he has kept you in a place, stay there. I told my friend, God has sent me somewhere. That's where I am. I'm just taking a break for six weeks. I'll be back. So a man once, he said they are going to start a branch. Where? In fact, I've had this experience a number of times. But I remember two now. The church is going to start a branch in Lagos. I said, why? He said, we need the money in Lagos to preach the gospel where we are. I said, so you are going to start a branch so you can collect money. That's why people fight over members. So to him, the money in Lagos is spent. So let's start a church so we can be collecting. And that's the reason why some people now, now I'm not saying if you don't think of anybody that this person is located for that reason. God sends people, he knows what he's doing. He can tell me tomorrow now to move to somewhere else. I'm not saying, so I'm not trying to judge anybody. But some people now think that let me move, the pastor will now let me move to the bigger branch because Lagos is bigger, Abuja is bigger. That's how we sell our destiny. That's the point I'm making. It's unnecessary. Anywhere God keeps you, he knows what he wants to do with your life. What he just wants you to do is be responsible. Be responsible. I remember those days when, when we first started Kingdom in Enugu, where we used to be. My wife and I, that's in, I had the picture for a long time. So anyway, when we were walking there, I told her, let us go and pray. So we went there to go and pray. And we said, from here. Now, listen to me. That time, there was no live streaming. Because the, the story we are telling is about 19 years ago now. 18, 19 years ago. There was no live streaming. There were websites, of course, the internet was already there, but you know, it was not like now everybody, the internet was there. I didn't have any plan, that's the summary. But I told my wife that the one we we're praying, I said, we're going to pray that from here, this word we are preaching will go around the world. You know, you, you just say some things, you just not think about it. I mean, after all, people. I listened to a lot of people from America. They never came to me. I never went to meet them. But the message was everywhere. So that's the kind of thing I had in mind. But there was no plan. As God lives, I'm not lying. I was not planning to go on radio. You know, there are thoughts that didn't cross, that didn't cross your mind. I just had one thought in my mind. By that time, we were already printing our tracts. So we continued to print. Then I said, let's just start teaching regularly. That's what I just wanted to do. That was why we rented a place. Do you know, within a short while, God had arranged events we were on radio. Then somebody came up to me one day said, I'm starting a television station. I would like you to be on it. The station didn't last for a long time, but that got us involved, interested in TV. The first opportunity God gave us then, we bought cameras, went on TV. One day I got a call from Kenya. Why? Because one of the Sisters that knew me, I saw her last in Lagos. She was working in one of the big churches. All right, I went there. That's when I saw her. So she and her husband had been transferred by that church to Kenya. So only she was watching TV, only for a program to come up, and she saw me. And she had my number. So she just picked the phone and called. So I told my wife, I said, ah, this is moving faster than we even planned. It did not cross my mind. I needed to go and meet somebody somewhere to give us money. 
let's go to Lagos, open a branch in Lagos so that from there money will come. No. If God has sent you, that was the prayer I prayed. I said, Lord, you know, Jesus said, the Lord has sent me, as I was prophesying actually, and his spirit. What I heard from that was different. That this was deep. That God has sent me and the ability to do what he wants me to do. I said, money will come. And most of the, if you totally, you know, I believe that most, of course, not even I believe it, a matter of fact, most of the money that we spend in Kingdom Word, if you put it together, you know, is not coming from people residing in Enugu. I was going to emphasize that you cannot strategize your life to say, okay, if I move to this place, I will have better opportunities. I see people do that a lot of times. They want, okay, let me move from Enugu and go to Lagos. I will have better opportunities. That's not the way it works. What you do is to find what you are supposed to be doing and put in faithfulness. The Bible says cultivate, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. But the main thing we're trying to explain, all right, is this. Let's be responsible. Let us be what? Responsible. That's why I went into all the stories I was telling that you are sent to somebody. For example, if you're a teacher of the gospel, don't just assume that ministry will be bigger if I go to the United States or I move from Nigeria I moved to the UK or stuff. No, it doesn't work like that. Just be responsible. Be dutiful in the things that God has given you to do. And he knows how he planned it. We don't know how he planned it. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. He will direct your steps. He's the one that knows what he wants to do with your life. I went to all of that because I made a particular statement. That you just have to learn as a believer to waste your life on him. Don't assume that you deserve something. You have given your life to Christ. Just make sure that that life is being used to serve him on a daily basis. I went into all of that using one particular illustration. That a young man, a young woman that's very brilliant, gets a PhD in physics. And God says, I want to locate you in a secondary school to develop a new generation of physicists. I'm going to start that from the early days of their lives. I'm not going to start it when they are in university. They have to have a solid foundation. And I'm sending my person to go inside there. I'm not going to use a mediocre to raise brilliant, you know, physicists. No. I'm going to use a brilliant one to lay a foundation. Human beings will say, because you are so brilliant, you should be in MIT. That's in America. You should be in the University of Nigeria, you know. You should be in the University of Lagos. You should be lecturing the university. But God may just think differently. And he says to you, you settle down and start teaching children for me. And like I gave as an illustration, maybe the plan he had. Maybe the plan he had is that at the end of the day, a hundred of your type will have been raised up. But humanly speaking, they will say you wasted your life. And God said, that's exactly what I want. I want this seed, all right, that's living to die first. Because while it is alive, it's abiding alone. I want it to die so that it can multiply. That's what I mean. And remember what I've been saying again and again. I feel like repeating it again. If you have found what you are supposed to be doing, don't assume somebody else will do it if you don't do it. You must learn to do your portion. I gave myself as an example. God helped me, and I realized that my duty is to feed the people with knowledge and with understanding. So I have a responsibility to make sure I learn. When God, if God, if God comes to me like Solomon, you don't just copy Solomon directly. There's a principle behind that thing. God came to Solomon and said, what do you want me to do for you? Are you getting my point? God, what impresses God is that you realize the purpose of life is more important than the comforts of life. That was what impressed God about Solomon. 
That's one thing. Part of it also be, is, was because Solomon had been instructed. So if God comes to me now, if he says, what do you want me to do for you? I won't say, give me wisdom so I'll be, I'm not a king. I hope I get my point here. God will not say, this guy, you want me to just bless you like I bless Solomon. That's how you want to fool me by asking for wisdom. No, that, it doesn't work like that. What Solomon asked for was not just wisdom for the sake of being wise. It was because he recognized that his purpose was to be a king over the elect people on the earth. The people of God, the nation of Israel at that time, the descendants of his friend Abraham. And he was supposed to be their shepherd and their guide. And Solomon said, as young as I am, you have given me something too great for a normal human being of my age to do. So give me wisdom to be able to do it. And God said, oh, you are asking for wisdom. You don't want to be rich? You're asking for wisdom. You don't want to live long? You're asking for wisdom. You're not even looking for how to take care of your, all these, your enemies. You know, because if it's a typical Pentecostal these days, God says, what do, I, what do you want me to do for you? He says, let my enemies die by fire. You, you know, that is the thing we'll ask for. God says, look, ask me for anything. Say, Lord, just one thing. Let them all die by fire. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> That's what many of us will ask for. Solomon said, no, it's not like that. He too had enemies. He had many people who did not believe he was the rightful heir to that throne. Joab was one of them. His brother Adonijah was one of them. These people were plotting, but did not pray about them. He said, God, give me wisdom so that the reason you gave me life will be effectively executed. So if God asks me in a bank, what do you want me to do for you? I will say, Lord, give me insight. One of the scriptures I enjoy most, I put it on my screen, my phone I was using before. It was on it. Because the angel came to Daniel and he said, I have come to give you skill and understanding. That's New American Standard rendering there. Okay, the day I read that thing, it hit me like this. I said, Lord, I ask you for one thing. Give me skill and understanding. I don't want to teach people that which is not right. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to understand it. I don't want to repeat what somebody said just because a big man said it. I want to know what you said. I want to see from above. I don't want to see from beneath. Elisha saw from above. Soldiers surrounded the mountain. He was not perturbed. Why? He had seen from above. His servant was panicking. Why? He had not seen anything. So he said, Lord, open his eyes. God gave Daniel so much skill. Why did he give it to him? He was a friend of God. Daniel knew the kingdoms that would come. He knew that, look, listen, after this one, this is in, uh, uh, the, the head of gold, another one will come. He knew the ones that will come, that the Greeks will come, the first the Medes and the Persians, then the Greeks will come, and then the Romans will come. Daniel saw as far as our present day. So anything happening at that time, Daniel was not moved. Daniel saw us using the internet. He saw things that we are doing. Knowledge will increase. People will be running to and fro. He saw us traveling by aircraft. Journeys that will take months those days, Daniel knew that a time will come, it will take just a few hours. Why? God helped him to see. So when he wanted to counsel people, he could tell them the word of God. Just because he had understanding. When I saw that, I said, God, please, give me skill and understanding. Why did I ask? Look, I didn't ask for plenty of money. And you know, for some people, it should be right for them to ask for money. Now, listen, not money the way me too, I want to live large. No, God will say, I mean, there was a time I read that TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, was paying $1 million every day to remain on air. Many of us don't realize that this is cost money. $1 million every day. Not now. The story I'm telling is at least 10 years ago. 
one million dollars a day. There are those that will look and say one million dollars a day. Let me just say something briefly. Talk about money as an example. A lot of times preachers look for money because they are not disciplined. I know. But a lot of times they are in need. I hope you get my point. And there are people that will look and say, why do they have to be begging for money? There are those that God will just put the spirit of embarrassment upon them. That is, anytime they see a pastor say that we need money, they will be embarrassed. Say, God, why is he asking for money? Then God will say, what do you want me to do for you? Say, Lord, please give me so much money that this, my brethren, that you sense to go and preach would never have to ask for it again. And God will say, good. Then God makes a man a multi what am I saying? A billionaire counting in U.S. dollars. But he won't make the Forbes list. Forbes will not know about him. He'll just be behind, earning a million dollars every day. Making money, $10 million in a week. But then you see him, he comes to church, normally drives a small car like everybody else. This is a normal area. Has a nice house, but it's just a normal house. You would not suspect that there are companies that you are reading about in the newspapers he's controlling. But God said, I've given him that as his own assignment in this life. He has to be faithful. He has to be responsible. He will look at some ministries and say, listen, this ministry must not fail. And it's my duty. You, go and pray. You, go and preach. Me, I will pay for everything. That is, listen, I said it long ago, and I still mean it. I, I thank God for everybody that is giving kingdom world money. The Lord will bless you and increase you. But I'll never go around asking anybody for money. Because I said, the way, I told the Lord, you sent me. Am I preaching with my skill? Am I preaching with my own inherent understanding? It is an anointing. Anoints people to also give. No, I prayed that prayer long ago. And I said to the Lord specifically, don't give me that anointing. That if you give me that anointing, the money has to go somewhere else. Because I don't like to be the one to sweat and then pay for the same gospel. That's why I'm not called. That was my understanding. Don't ask me how I got to understand it. I read the scriptures, but it just came to me that if I'm the one funding the thing that I'm preaching, then something is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I see preachers who do it too. I thank God for them. You go out, go and hustle money tonight, then use the money you hustled to pay for radio. Use the money you hustled. Listen, I've give, listen when Kingdom was started, my wife and I alone paid for 95% of the money spent in Kingdom World came from our pockets. So it, I'm not against it. The first time I went on radio, it was one job I did for 10 months. They paid teaching, teaching in university part-time. My wife was, had planned for that money. You know the way it is. When this money comes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change this in finally. She didn't want me to change this one. I will now change the money will have come. As soon as the money came, I told her, I said, the Lord uh, needs that money. I still remember very well she was in the kitchen. I just walked to her and said, that money, they don't pay her more, but uh, be like, say, the Lord won't use her. <laughs> and she, she didn't even say, eh, what happened? She just said, okay. All she said was, okay. One word, okay. That was how we went on radio. Because the radio bill, that was the only way we could pay it. Kingdom did not have that kind of money. I gave it to the radio station. But as God... To him be the glory. As the Lord lives, as at now, broadcasting on about 22 radio stations now. Is it 21 or 22? I don't, me, if I like, I give to kingdom, but if I like, I don't. Nationwide, as at today. The money gets paid. None of them is free, not one. Most of them we pay directly. Some of them, other people from elsewhere, we just pay the money. Some others will contribute, we balance up the rest. I said to the Lord, that anointing, give it to other people. But then, my prayer for them is that they will be faithful. That they will look at it. I, I, I mean, we've had testimonies. People just say, please, this message has to go in our area. They will go and pay the radio station. I said, you bring the materials and give to them. 
Enough, listen, believers now have to understand prosperity in that regard. Prosperity is not, you know, please, I will get back to my message. Let me just keep talking. There are nothing is flowing, so let's just be talking. Prosperity and giving is not this one of give God some so he can, you can eat the rest. You know, safety. You buy safety. When God has given you one billion naira, you give him 100 million as what? A tithe. So he can rebuke the devourer. That thing has no meaning. It's not biblical. It, yes, it's, it's, it doesn't have any meaning. Okay? I don't have time to talk about it now. Don't quote Malachi for me. All right? I know Malachi too. I knew it was there when I said what you are saying has no meaning. Hmm. You cannot use that 10% to buy protection from God. So when they've not done that, they will not put another 50 million. You know, we're talking about 1 billion. They've not said, hey, like, I've settled God. Basically, God, while I'm spending the balance 850, buy your gun, bring your angels, and protect me. When I'm driving my expensive car, my tire must not go down. No. And you know, we pastors sometimes will not be confusing people. They say, how can your tire go down when you have paid your tithe? Your tire will still go down. Whether you tight or did not tight, the car can still catch fire. Please, we should stop telling people lies. I've heard one man, but you know, some, some people when they are preaching, they just want to get up and walk away. I wasn't there that day. It was my wife that told me the story. She went somewhere. The man was preaching. Said that he had a flat tire. Was it flat tire he said he had? Or the car broke down. He said, eh? Everybody should come down. Who has not tightened here? The, the, who's the Jonah in his boat? Say, so he found out that his driver was not tightened. He sacked him on the spot. That is a, you know, when we want to make crack jokes, you know, sometimes when we are preaching, we preach, we have to say something that's funny. That is a joke. That has no meaning. That is not Christianity. It's not the gospel. We don't give to God like that. We don't buy protection from him. When he gives us money and he says, you are, because go and read that Romans chapter 12. There's one, he that teacheth, you understand? He that showeth mercy. He was talking about specific ministries. He now said, he that giveth. There are those, he says, he that giveth. I have never gone to God to pray and say, Lord, you know I've been preaching every, there was a time I was preaching four times a week before this lockdown and stuff like that, you know. For, I have raised at the time. It came to four times a week. And it's not fantastic. There are those who are, look, I think it was um, one of these British reformers of those days that was preaching like 21 times every week. And he said that was laziness as setting. No, he was preaching 14 times a week, he said, because he has become lazy. I've never gone to God and said, Lord, look at the number of messages we have preached, so you will bless my children. Nonsense. I've never gone to God and said, look at the amount of messages we have preached, too. So when we are traveling, protect us. I, if we want to travel, we quote the scripture. We invoke the name of God, the keeper. The Lord is our keeper. We invoke his name. He will be with us now, going out and now coming in. He will give his angels charge concerning us. And we enter the car and start driving. It's not that no, no, we know we have preached, you protect us. You, I've seen people rushing ahead of this personally, rushing to go and preach, and they died on the road. The person telling him this, he said, that man could overspeed. You know, there are preachers who overspeed, thinking that God owes them protection. Yeah. If you overspeed, you are breaking the law. You have no respect for order. And you have accident. The fact they are going to preach is not, don't use that as a protection. Like God knows where I'm going. Moses was going to deliver the people of God. He did not circumcise his son. God himself came to kill him. So let's teach people the truth. 
The concept is that faithfulness is the reason why believers, if God gives you the anointing, he that give it. You also get up and do it diligently. The way some of us will get up, prepare a message, trust God. My wife, she doesn't even talk, no, she doesn't, it doesn't surprise her anymore. If I say, hey, I'm supposed to preach today, I don't have what to preach yet. She doesn't even listen. What I'm going to say, we use faith to do those things. It has happened many times. I've mounted the pulpit. I'm greeting people. I'm still waiting. God, what will I preach? It's so nice to be here today. I'm sitting in my mind. Oh, Pari, oh, waiting, we'll go preach today. It doesn't surprise my wife anymore. She has seen it so many times. I didn't even know I'd, be, I'd, I'd been known for it. One day we went for a convention. So one of our sisters, we planned a last-minute program. So one of our sisters, anointed minister, was supposed to preach. So I, I was coordinating the whole meeting. After a while, ah, I said, where's Susan so present? Nobody could find her. We searched everywhere in the place where we were using for the convention. Nobody could find her. After a while, I said, okay, maybe I have to preach. Because you know, now, I didn't know what to do again. So in my mind, I said, Lord, what do I, what do I preach? Then suddenly she showed up. Ah, I was like, why would you do this to me? I've been looking for you since. So we gave her the mic. She ministered, you know, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, so when we finished, I said, where did you disappear to? We're looking for you. She looked at me and said, eh, you think everybody's like you? <laughs> you just jump on the pooping and start preaching like that. That the moment we told her she was preaching, she disappeared. Went and locked herself up. Put off the phone, locked the door in her hotel room and began to pray. She began to pray. She began to pray and to study, check scripture. So as we were panicking all up, looking for her, she was... <laughs> that was when I realized that I developed the reputation of that, anytime you put this man on the pulpit to preach, he will preach. Now, you see, why am I talking about it? There are people, listen to what I'm going to say. In that same manner, there are people that will stand and maybe a mission work is to be done or something is supposed to be done to help the society, to help the body of Christ, to advance the gospel. And they'll say the bill is 200 million. He will have said, I will pay before he realized he doesn't have any money. You just say, that one, how much? 200 million. Don't worry, I'll handle it. It's okay, look, let me do 180. Let other people look for the 20. Let, let me not chop the blessing alone. They will go home. His wife will just say, did you hear what you told those people? So what did I tell them? You said you would give them 180 million. Eh, I did? <laughs> Can't even be a woman. Doesn't have to be a man. That's what I was saying. Honey, did you just pledge 180 million? I did. But we don't have money. Ah, don't worry, it will come. And the day they will need the money, it's an anointing. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's an unction. The way some of us will jump on the pulpit and the anointing will come. In the same manner, time to write a, a, a check. They just look and say, Lord, this will cost 180 million. will just say, break it down into four pieces. Give them the money one at a time. You just realize that, oh, I have shares, so and so and so place. Just call the broker. Liquidate that for me. Would you give me 45 million there? And you know, the way God does, he will increase the share price a week before. Person will pull out for the five million naira. The thing will drop again. Buy the shares back within a week, and will have given God for the five million. God will move things one after the other. Within a month, he has paid off one eighty million and does not expect thank you. It's not as if oh come and sit in front. Look, if you put people like that in front, you are killing the anointing. Let her, let him sit at the back. Because it is. A gift. It's not, you're not better than the guy next door. 
That's why I tell people, I say, how are you rich? Are you? I say, I don't know who, I can't compare anybody's wealth with mine or mine with anybody's own because each person is doing his job. I just happen to be in that line of God's work where we don't value what we do in Naira and Kobo. What is the value of what I've said today now? You don't know. It's God that knows. Every month, thousands of our books are downloaded. Every month. Every single month. I mean every single month. I did a calculation. Nothing less than 3,000 copies. Individual PDF files of books alone. I didn't count the tracks. I didn't count the sermons. Books alone. What's the value of each book? I don't know. It's not mine. The day I pasted, uh, we uploaded two of our books. The ones on a marriage. Okay, broke it into two. I remember what I said to God. I have removed the hallowed things out of my computer. <laughs> I hope you get my point. Because that's what Israel was supposed to do. When you come and pay your tithes those days in Israel, you will say to the first fruit, I have removed the hallowed things. In the same manner, I said, this book has been here for a long time. It's not on the website for people to download freely. The day we did, I said, now, Lord, we have removed the hallowed things. It wasn't like, eh, hey, this is... No, it's not... It's the, it's an assignment. In the same manner, there are people who drop that one billion naira, and for them, it's nothing. It's an assignment. It's an anointing. God gave them the grace to do it. If they don't do it, the day of judgment, Jesus will ask them, what did you do with the grace that I gave to you? What we need as believers is to be responsible. That's what I'm just preaching. We just need to be what? Responsible. If God opens a door for you, just know that it is my job. Many of these things God is asking us to do is like children raising. You are a father, you are a mother, it's your duty. Some people can assist you, but it's primarily your duty. I've said this several times, I want to say it one more time. Don't assume that if you don't do it, somebody else will do it. That's the wrong way to walk. The, wrong, the right way to live as a believer is just assume that if I don't do it, it will not be done. Don't think it's easy for God to just look for somebody else. Ananias, you are the one that will go and see Saul. If Ananias did not go, God will find a hard, listen, it will, it will be a hard time finding Saul. He will just say, Saul, this is your blindness. Manage him for two more weeks. The next guy I can call. <laughs> it will take him two weeks to get here. I said something at the beginning. Each of us must make sure we engineer our lives in such a manner that God can depend on us. It is so important. We must engineer our lives in such a manner that he can depend. Listen, there are things he has given you as skill. Sharpen it. A, look, in the body of Christ, if you're going to read my book, uh, How to Work for God, I talked about what God is doing inside each individual being the most important work. But then there's something that God is doing through each person. And that anointing, when you find it, please don't waste it. Apart from not wasting it, don't neglect it. You see what are you talking about? You just see a part in which, when you appear, things become easy for other people. That is your gift. And instead of running up and down in life looking for how to make money, every child of God should do something. Look for how you will be useful. That is, let us assume you traveled for one month. What will go wrong? I don't know whether you get my point. If nothing will go wrong, then something is wrong with your life. That is, nobody will notice your absence. You just vanish. You vanish out of circulation. You die for six months. Not, they, people are not aware you died. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. 
They'll now say, ah, did you hear? But I X, Y, Z died. They say, okay, is that why I have not seen him for six months? The, the story. You should know something is wrong. And I'm not talking about church alone, just life. If you want to know whether you are prospering in life or you are not prospering in life, just know that do the people look for me? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Are people searching me for something? People have been looking up and down for where there's money. Because they look for how you can be useful to people. At least you can say, you beat your chest to yourself before God. If I, if I don't appear, Lord, eh? things will not be balanced in this place. So somebody say, okay, go here and you make more money. He say, but while I'm gone, what will happen here? That's what we should be looking for. Sometimes you see people say, listen, uh, I got a job here. And I say, <laughs> you, go, you are getting a job where if you drop dead, they just move your corpse. As, uh, <laughs> you just push your corpse behind and put another potential corpse in your place. And you are happy. That's not life. No, that, that, that is not life. Real prosperity is that you are important to people. It doesn't have to be something massive. There was one joke we read that time. One man said, oh, I don't know, the one guy that, you know, they, they draw cartoons. He said, this is a Karawuma. He said, some people don't know how important they are in your life. Oh. I don't know how many of you remember the joke. He said, some, of, some people don't know how important they are in your life. That this is a Karawuma is not open today. You know, I've already bought the bread. <laughs> the guy bought bread knowing the Karawuma will be there. He got there. Ah, maybe the woman was sick. Ah. I'm just imagining that he looks saw another person with his bread. What are you looking for? He asked him, where's that kind of woman? He said, I'm looking for her too now. You don't just close such businesses down all of a sudden. You have to look, say, where would they? It sounds funny, but that's how you should reason in life. How am I impacting people? That is real wealth. And I tell people, listen, in life, are you good? I mean, is your life going on well? It's not going well. This is what you need to check is this. What will people think of and they will attach my name? If you can't think of any, you have a serious problem. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It can be anything, but let it be that people think of you. They need something. They call you. You know, as we're coming up today now, you know, that our brother, I just saw him that day, hanging that man's sign. Ah, I said, this is what I'm talking about. You know, when we wanted to do our big sign, we, were saying, we pointed at this, this is the type we like, this is the type we like. We did not know that the man who did it worships with us, studies the word of God with us. When we were now investigating, we now say, oh, maybe this guy can do it. He now sent pictures of the ones he has done, only to show the, <laughs> the one we're admiring. It was amongst his album. That I'm the one that did that. I said, oh, 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 you are the one that did it? I don't know how rich he is or how rich he is not, but he's a go-to man for that particular thing. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you should strive for in life. That I must be a go-to person for certain things. People should just say, oh, somebody got, I got your number of person. This is what I need. They say you can do it. That is what is most important in life. It's not how wealthy you are, materially speaking. Some people are paid so that they will not be useful. In fact, those they said there were some foreign companies because government made some rules. They will employ Nigerians, give them a lot of money, then put them on a chair. 
Just come to work, sit down there. So we can tell government we have employed Nigerians. And they'll be paying, you know? And people will collect that job and be thanking God. I say, it's okay <laughs> to do that job for a short while to take care of poverty things. I hope you get my point. Then after I say, no, no, I can't continue. Look, there are times you will just get up and walk out, say, I'm not doing it again. Where are you going? I don't know. I want to be useful. If in your life you're an adult, especially as a man, and you are not linked with something, just know you are not prospering. Go and find something that people will link your name with. That is, you have a certain confidence that in your circle of influence, if they need this, you are among the first two, three people they will call. That is real prosperity. That's real prosperity. So people of God, let's learn to be what? Responsible. Let's have this attitude that I am the one. Just like only me. We change the nation. Only me. We change the church. Of course, in my own area of influence. Only me. Just assume that if I don't do it, it will not be done. Just have that attitude because you are not likely to be wrong. And just by the way, there are certain skills that God will put in your hands. Take a man like Bezalel. Skill is not a game of chance. If you know how to do something more than other people, God gave that one to you. Let me say it again. Don't neglect it. No matter how small the way it is, make sure you are doing it. You are good with arranging things. Anytime they put you in a place, the things will be well arranged. That is a gift of God. Um, what's his name? Full gospel? Demo Shakarian. He said preaching was not, he tried to preach, it was not his skill. But arranging massive events was his skill. Networking with ministers and bringing them to places was his skill. Then he found in the Bible that there's a scripture about his own life. Helps. He said, oh, that is the assignment God has given me. I'm in the ministry of helps. And he began to do it until he blessed his generation. Until he blessed his generation. It is God that lifts people up. You can't strategize your life into being lifted. You can't. Let me read this particular scripture. Then we'll close. This was all of the, everything I've said so far. Well, I hope you are blessed by it. It's just like preambling before we get into the thing we want to discuss. But because time has gone, we'll continue it next time. The book of Luke chapter 14. Remember, the select ones God uses. That is the one we are talking about. Let's just read this book of Luke chapter 14. Just read that and then we'll close with it. Go to verse 25. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I can't use him for anything. He can't really walk with me. He said in verse 27, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What is, is the cross? It's a place of death. Whoever does not realize that I'm going to strip things away from him or her. Yes, you're going to be a big man. I remove the big man from you. 
You are going to be a PhD holder, I collect it. You wanted to build a very big house in the village, I said nothing for you there. <laughs> it's a place of death. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Please follow that. Let me just add verse 34 and 35 to it. Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has, an, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We are going to stop here reading that particular one. That is, with that particular reading, I will end the message there. I will pick it up from there next time. But what I wanted to talk about, which if the Lord allows me, I will be able to go into next time, is... Uh, I won't give you a title now, but I'm, I was hoping to talk about true following of Jesus. Those who don't follow him completely, totally, are not useful to him. We have preached a gospel in which Jesus is a tool. Yeah, that's, listen, I dare to say it, majority of those who come to church, that's what he is. Follow him, he will get you prosperity. Follow him, he will get you, you know, Healing. Follow him. What other people are looking for, you also find it. So it's a tool. So we pay him tight so he can protect us. We give him special seed so he can multiply it. We have not been taught to die on him. I don't know whether you get my point. To totally die to ourselves. And he says, if you want to come after me, please hate your own life. What is your life? Look, it's not about your breath. That's not what he's talking about. He said, what, what did you plan for your life before? What is it that will make you important? What is society expecting from you? What is your father expecting from you? What are people expecting from you? What are you expecting for yourself? He said, forget that thing if you want to follow, follow me. Just forget it. Now, I made up my mind, though. Before I'm 40, I'm going to be a millionaire. Jesus said, just forget it. <laughs> just forget it. You know, in this village, or in this my hometown... They will know. Jesus said, just forget it. When you are coming to follow me, I'm going to erase you to zero. Then I will now build you into what I want you to be. What you are going to be, you don't know. I will tell you along the line. Sometimes we come to Christ, and we have a lot of skill. And we think that he needs our skill. (laughs) Jesus is looking at the skill. He said, if he's not the one I gave you for my purpose, forget it. There are those that came to him, very rich. He said, forget it. Throw away the money. Go and throw it away. Sell the company, sell the houses, give it to the poor. Then let's start again. That don't bring your world into my kingdom. 
I am building my kingdom. You are a living stone that I'm going to use. I'm the one that will fashion you according to my desire. That's why when we get to church, the title brother is very good. All these ones were in church, engineer A, Dr. B, Professor D, is nonsense. When we enter through that door, you are brother, you are sister. That's the best title. Because even though you have a degree in engineering, God may not need it. I hope you're getting my point. I have natural training in medicine, so I can easily identify all the doctors who are in ministry. Because <laughs> they thank you very much. You are welcome. Where's your quality certificate? Because give one angel. Keep on for that. Be- behind that river. <laughs> Throw on there. Now let's teach the boy the gospel. That's how God does. And there are those who did not study engineering in school. He made them renowned engineers. That's why I told the story of Algilo to know. The man said, I'm a self-taught engineer. He began to design all by himself. He didn't go to school engineer. That is, he used to get drawings from heaven. Told the story of how he came from church. They had a program. He was tired. So he wanted to go and sleep. As he lay down to sleep, suddenly an idea entered his head. He ran back to his study and began to sketch. He sketched the whole night. Next morning, he went to work and gave his trained engineers. Decode that thing into engineering drawings. He's an engineer. <laughs> By the time he was done with sketching, it was heaven. Heaven breathed upon him. There is a spirit in man. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. It gave him something that naturally trained engineers were now struggling to rearrange properly. So he called himself, he called himself a self-taught engineer. He used to manufacture heavily, design the things by himself, do the manufacturing. What am I going to say? So God can make anything out of our lives. But my emphasis in this teaching, which I'm planning to go into, God helping me, is that we have to learn to die until we are dead to ourselves. Christ Jesus has a lot of problems. He can't find people to use. Let me talk about ministry as an example. I tell people, if you want to enter ministry to preach, don't be deceived by... Now, please, I don't mean that they lie to you. I mean, don't fix your eyes on it, Okay? We have pastors up to five in Nigeria that fly private jets, okay? It's not ministry. It's just a private jet. I hope you get my point. Just like the car, the car I'm driving is not kingdom world ministry. It's the way I get around. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So don't say, if I want this kind of car, Pastor Banking is driving, if you really want that kind of thing, are you getting my point? Don't go and say, I will start a ministry and I'll be teaching. Then one day, I'll be able to buy that car. If you are thinking like that, really, I think you need to call somebody to screw the nuts that are not balancing your brain back together. Now, you may say, ah, Pastor Bank, why would anybody want to start ministry because of your car? Yeah, because you think my car is not fine. That's your problem. But, <laughs> but people are doing it because they see another pastor flying private jet. They are moving from one town to another with ministry because that is where the money is flowing. If you want to do ministry, it's a place of death. Forget it. Paul made it clear. I know it appears like I'm wasting my life, but as long as your faith is being built in the process, I'm happy. You know the story I told you many years ago? My mother asked me once, how far would that your private business practice, private, a medical practice I was doing? I said, I'll shut it down. I said, why? I said, it's not giving me, it's, not, it's taking time. That my ministry work takes a lot of time, so I don't have a lot of time now to do any other thing. And I said, but ministry is not paying you money. I said, so. That was the answer. I said, so. What are we going to do now? It's not paying money. Uh-huh. I said, but this is the reason why God allowed you to conceive me. This is why I did not die at birth. 
That is the reason why we will pursue it. And God proves himself all the time, not in the financial income, but the impact that the words have when they hit people's lives. Anybody coming to ministry? I feel like I have an unction from the Holy Spirit to tell you. Forget who will pay you. Forget what you will make. Will I build a house? Jesus said no. <laughs> you hear what I said? He said no. If house is so important to you, then go and look for the house. A man came to him and said, I will follow you, but let me first go. He said, wait, 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 wait. Go. Let me first go. Oh. Let me first go and arrange for how my life will be in order. Then I'll come and do what you called me to do. Jesus said, anyone that puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. And what I'm preaching, I hope truly the Holy Spirit allows me, I'll go into it next time, is people who will put their hands on the plow and not look back. Because there will be costs. We've had, we have, we've had Christianity in recent times. That's very convenient. You give your life to Christ and you lose nothing. Do you follow my point? People now think Christianity is convenient. Listen to me. You will lose friends. You will lose, bi- not just friends. I say they won't greet you again and you become richer. No. They will shut business doors in your face. If you're not ready for it, forget it. You're not useful to the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll continue from that point. Let's bow down our heads. Let's give it all thanks.